Wow. <laughs> New sermon series starting next week, four, four weeks long by Doug Rutt, the whole enchilada. What's that about? Why don't you guys try to guess on your way home with whoever you're riding with and see, what you, see if you can be right. Um, uh, this morning, uh, we'll have a double beef burrito supreme with extra sour cream, right? That's, that's my lessons. Hi, my name is Bill Winton, and I'm the middle school pastor. One of the dilemmas of being a speaker here one time of year is, you know me, I don't know you. Like, I attend Christian Family Chapel first hour, predominantly, and so it's nice to be a guest here. Uh, I know lots of you through our ministry and stuff, but there's all the time, all year long, people come up to me, hey, Bill, and, they, and, and then they tell me a story that I remember telling like four years ago, and, and, they, and they have this sense of community with me, and I don't know them. It's always helpful if you say your, for, your name first, but let's make the problem worse, okay? I'm Bill Winton. I thought I'd give you some fun facts about Bill Winton, just so you have a little more information about me. I'm married to Denise. I have four children, ages 11 to 21, three are sons, one is a daughter. I grew up cheering for the Redskins, Mark Mosley, Joe Theismann, yeah. When the Jaguars came, I switched gears. I'm a Jaguar, but I'm still pulling for those Redskins when they're playing. Um, when my friends developed a close enough relationship with me, frequently it happens, they build up courage. I've just always needed to know. How often do you shave your head? <laughs> I'll just put it out there so you don't need to build up courage. Two to three times a week, I shave my head. Okay? And then I have, you know how you frequently have a favorite iPhone game that you're playing? Right now, my favorite, and our family's just had a ball over Christmas doing, is HQ Video Live. We have had so much fun answering 12 video questions twice a day. Uh, if you're interested, my referral code is WillisWin. I get... Stuff, just kidding. All right, so that's, that's who we're at. People ask me, you're the middle school pastor. The middle school ministry is as far that way as we can go on our church property. I mean, it is that way. It's not because they don't like you. It's because they like the gate gas station, okay? The gate gas station is just like the best concession stand in the world, all right? Great prices, and it's just right there next door. But people say, how's the middle school ministry doing? What did the Lord do in 2017? So if I could just take a minute and give a little report. I'm so pleased. The Lord was so kind to us. We maintain our three programs every single week. We mentored three summer interns this year, and then we have a two, we started a two-year residency program uh, where Dan Fuller is here for two years just to learn how does Christian Family Chapel do youth ministry. By the way, he is fantastic. Um, in our middle school ministry this year, we hosted three Bible intensives. That's where we tell students, hey, we're going to study the Bible for three days straight. Um, we'll have some fun along the way, but mainly we're studying the Bible, and they come. They love it. Uh, we went from seven real-life groups to nine. That's where we have small groups, five to eight people. They're asking an adult leader, help me to grow stronger in my faith. So we grew in that. We hosted a family mission trip to Peru that was fantastic. We made a distinct up, some upgrades to power-up clubs that I was very pleased with. 
we hosted five evangelistic events where they could bring their friends and then we would tell their friends how to become a Christian and give them an opportunity right then to become a Christian. And from June, we're not going to do from January because there's a promotion in there which would skew it, but from June when promotion happened, we've ministered to over 275 middle school students that came through our doors. Some come four, eight, ten times a, a month, you know, but there's 275 is a unique students. That's how many different ones. Yeah, the Lord has been great. Those are statistics, but let me give you a story. Little girl named Morgan is in our eighth grade. She came into our ministry, and she loves the Lord, and she's been um, in our Bible training. She's come to our intensives, our Bible intensives. She's done real life groups, and she's brought friends to retreat, uh, and for the purpose of them getting saved, one did. They, um, she's been part of power-up clubs. She's just done great. And then this Thursday morning, 1.20 in the morning, she contacts the Winton household just because she knew that we would be so excited that she just finished leading another friend to the Lord and just wanted us to know all the stories and all the details about it. Well, that's a fun conversation. So much better than come to the hospital or something, you know? <laughs> so, uh, man, it's just great. The Lord is so good. Now, we're looking at a story today that D Doug's allowed me to stay in the book of Mark and continue our series. I'm so honored to do that. And today, Jesus encounters a deaf man. He cannot here, and he has a speech impediment, and we're in Mark chapter 7, and we're going to start in verse 31, so you might want to turn in your scriptures there. Over and over in the gospel of Mark, the writer tells us that Jesus encounters people, and their lives are changed. Jesus changes lives. Would you say that with me? Jesus. Okay, I think we can do a little better. One more time. Ready? Jesus Good, good, good. Over and over, Jesus changes lives. It happens again in our story. Today, Jesus enters a town, and the people bring to him a deaf man. And they tell him, Jesus, if you will just touch this deaf man, we think there's a good chance he'll be healed. And so they bring him to Jesus, but Jesus takes the deaf man away privately. So it's one-on-one -on -one with Jesus. Don't know if they just go into a back alley around the corner. Did they have coffee back then? Did they go out for coffee? You know, if so, they probably went to a place called Hebrews. But uh, <laughs> thank you, thank you. The other night, on Thursday night, I was told some joke, and my 16-year-old daughter was sitting right over in this area goes, ha, dad joke in front of everybody. So get used to him. So anyway, <laughs> he takes him away privately, He's, and they spend some time together. We don't know how long. But then at some point, Jesus puts his fingers in the man's ear. Then it indicates that Jesus spit, put saliva, we think, in his hand, and then touched the man's tongue with it and said, Ephatha, which means be opened. And the man's ears were opened, and he could hear, and he could start speaking plainly. Jesus changes lives. You know, in 1992, I flew to Hawaii. My best friend, Kent Felton, was there with his wife, Lori, 
and uh, they, he was an airborne ranger stationed at Schofield Barracks on Oahu. And so I flew out there, and I had a mission. I was been spending a lot of time with this girl named Denise, and she's wonderful. I'm going to ask her to marry me. But step one, I want to talk to Kent and Lori and get their blessing. See what they think, if this is a good idea. They knew her. So I get out there, and then if he says yes, I'm going to ask him to be my best man. So we get out. I fly from North Carolina to Oahu. They pick me up at the airport, put a lay on me. We drive 45 minutes north to Schofield's Barracks. We get to their nice house. They, we take my suitcase in. We put it in the room I'll be staying in. We come back into the living area, and they say, hey, Bill, we got some plans for you this week, but one of them is actually in 30 minutes. We have some of our best friends here, Britt and Angie, also in the military, also believers. They're going to come over for supper, and we want them to meet you. And I was excited. Sure, that'd be great, you know. And then we sit down in the living room, and I thought, you know, i got to have this conversation. I ought to do it earlier as opposed to later because who knows how the conversation will go. It might take the whole time I'm there to weave through some things. I don't know. So I said, hey, can I tell you one of the things I want to talk to you about while I'm here? They said, yep. And I said, now you need to know no one on this entire planet knows. No one. Not Denise. Not my parents. No one knows. You're the first people I'm talking to. But I want, I'm considering asking Denise to marry me, and I was wondering what your thoughts were. You both know Denise, and they were quick to go, oh, my word, that would be an upgrade for you. Yes, yes. <laughs> Get Denise. She loves the Lord. She's wonderful. That'd be, we, yes, that's a great idea, and we have a great time talking about it, and I just can't be my best man. He said, yes. I said, now, listen, I was serious. No one on this planet knows. Really, Denise has no clue. Don't tell anybody. All right. Fifteen minutes later, there's some preparations in the kitchen for the stuff that we're going to eat that night. And fifteen minutes later, the doorbell rings, and here comes this couple, Britt and Angie. And I picture it. They walk through the door, Angie first. And Ken Laurie says, Bill, this is Angie. And we shake hands, and she comes in, and she greets me. And then this is Britt. And so I said, and there's a soldier in front of me. I shake hands for Britt, and he says, good to meet you. So you're the guy getting hitched. Excuse me? You're the guy thinking about asking a girl to marry you. Kent, Lori. And right then, Lori's face is just all red. And she had gone in the kitchen to make preparations for supper, but she was so excited about the news that she got on her phone to her best friend, Angie, and blah, 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 and he's going to ask her to marry him and everything. And we have laughed about that story since 1992. Unbelievable, you know? Well, something similar happens in our story in the Bible. Jesus heals the guy. He can speak plainly. He says, Jesus, Jesus indicates you can say lots of words, but I got a small section of series of words you're not allowed to speak on. Don't tell people about this. Sorry, he didn't tell him. The scripture says he ordered him. It's stronger. And what did the man do? He went and told people, oh, I got to tell my parents. She just didn't mean parents, you know. And I got to tell my neighbors. And, and, and then they started telling people. So Jesus, in this story, collects as many people as he can and orders them. Don't tell people. Let me tell you why. Here's why we think why. In the scriptures, 
at this period of time, Jesus' popularity was skyrocketing. He had had lots of teachings, lots of healings, feeding of the 5,000. and It was just skyrocketing, and he was a rock star. I mean, people loved him by the thousands. They'd follow him. And, and then also, not only was his popularity skyrocketing, but his opposition was skyrocketing. There's four groups of religious leaders, the Herodians, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, and the Essenes. They all didn't like him. The Herodians had already, many months before, said, we're going to kill him. And the Pharisees were actually this close to follow in suit. We're going to kill him. And Jesus is saying, hey, popularity is nice. Opposition is not not necessarily so. However, I'm here to make disciples. And he had chosen his 12, and it had just gotten so distracting, the popularity and, and the opposition, that he said, let's go away. And they'd been going away like on a ministry team retreat so he could pour into them for when he was going to be gone. But you get intersections in life, and there's this deaf man. He's heal you, but don't do the popularity. Just don't tell anybody. So that's why we think he, he, he instructed him, don't tell people. So he could continue making disciples in this Gentile town where he wouldn't be as known as he was in the Jewish towns on the other side of the Sea of Galilee. So they, he told them not to. They did. And then the people marveled and said, this Jesus, he is amazing even the deaf, he can heal. Now, I told you the story, but I'd like you to see it in your scriptures. So let's just take the minutes and actually read it, okay? So, Mark chapter 7, verse 31. Read in your scriptures or follow along on the screen. And he, Jesus, went out from the region of Tyre and came through Sidon to the Sea of Galilee within the region of Decapolis. They brought to him one who was deaf and spoke with difficulty, and they implored him to lay his hand on him. Jesus took him aside from the crowd by himself and put his fingers in his ears, and after spitting, he touched his tongue with the saliva, and looking up to heaven with a deep sigh, he said to him, Ephatha, that is, be opened. And his ears were opened, and the impediment of his tongue was removed, and he began speaking plainly. And he gave them orders not to tell anyone, but the more he ordered them, the more widely they continued to proclaim it. They were utterly astonished, saying, he has done all things well. He makes even the deaf to hear and the mute to speak. You know, when there's something unique about you, there's an impact. When there's something unique about you, there's an impact. The deaf man had something unique about him. There was an impact. My dad had something unique about him. He had a disease called, called osteomyelitis, and it's, infection, it's an infection of the bones that causes the bone, an area of the bone to die and not grow. And he had it from a little boy. All his life, he walked on crutches. All his life. When, but he had this, it was unique about him, and there was an impact on his life and an impact on other people's lives. As a, one of his children, by the way, my dad, amazing man. I love him so much, respect him. He passed away a few years ago. But he was a um, public school teacher here in Duval County for 29 years. He was a principal of a Christian school for a few years after that. He had his own small business, was a deacon in the church, loved the Lord, was an incredible father and husband. But there was an impact on us because he had this disease he had the, his crutches. We always called them the sticks. Every time we got in the car, what are we going to do with the sticks? 
who's going to have to sit next to them because their space in the car is a little bit smaller. And, and so there's always this, what are we going to do with the sticks? There's an impact on us, my two brothers and I growing up. When we went to the Duval County Agricultural Fair and we walked around and saw all the cows and stuff, we certainly didn't go on the ride because we were going to spend money on that to our chagrin. But uh, we did go see all the cows and pigs and stuff. But we walked slower than the other families because my dad was on crutches. There's an impact on us. Imagine my mother at some point in time deciding to marry him. Am I going to marry a man who walks on crutches? I'm so glad she did. But that's not, you know, I said there's impact on others. There's also impact on his life for having osteomyelitis from the youngest age. Something's wrong with his bones and his legs and he can't walk. And, and so they would have surgeries. He was born in 1926. So we're talking about in the early 30s, they would have surgeries on him and try to break his bones and take out the area of the bone that's dead and, and put them back together so they might grow together and they'd break his hip and do the same thing. And, and they tried surgery after surgery and he'd spend time in bed for the longest time and in a wheelchair and then he'd get on crutches and he couldn't walk and, and they'd do another surgery. And when, that's a big impact on his life, wouldn't you say? Even as a little boy. But when he was nine years old, our, the Winton family has been in Mandarin and in Fernandina since the 1880s. They were mainly predominantly in Fernandina at that time, in the, back in the um, 30s. But at that point, after they're just not having successful surgeries, my grandparents, his parents, took the long trip up to Columbia, South Carolina. And they took him to the Shriners Hospital. And they got him settled in there and said, they're going to take care of you and they're going to do some surgeries. And then the, they came home. And for the next year, while he was nine years old, he never had a visitor. And he was in that hospital alone with other boys and girls getting all different types of surgeries and treatments and, and all failures. And after a year, they got him so he could, walk, he, he could use crutches and drag a leg, which he mainly did the rest of his life. And he got on a train and he came to Fernandina. And when he got to Fernandina, his mom and his brothers and my aunt, his sister, we all greeted him at the, at the train station and they picked him up and they were all dressed really nice and they greeted him. He says, it's so good to be home after a year. And, and he says, you guys are so dressed up and where's dad? And that's when his mom looks at him and says, a couple days ago, your daddy died and we're just coming home from the funeral right now. And my dad never got to see his dad again. And there was a, having this disease was an impact on his life. The ironic thing is, just a few years later, in the next five years or so, penicillin was developed. And if they'd just given him a shot of penicillin, right from the beginning, everything had been absolutely perfect and fine from the first day. But it's just, we live in a different medical era than, than they did back then. But there was an impact on his life and an impact on other people's lives. Okay, are you with me? Jesus in our story is the main character, but the deaf man had a pretty good supporting role, didn't he? I mean, Jesus is certainly the main character, but he had a, he had a primary role. Uh, and as I prepared for this, I wanted to get into our passage. I wanted to be here. I wanted to 
feel this. I want you to experience as much as possible and not let it just be words in, in a, on a page of Scripture. And so I did some studying about being deaf, and I learned there's three types. There's the selective hearing that some husbands are accused of. There's hard of hearing or partial deafness, and then there's total deafness. Now, it's my desire this morning as we talk about this subject to be respectful. Because if there's family that's in here that's been impacted with, you have loved ones that have deafness, you know, we just want to be completely respectful to that. Okay, so that's my desire. But I've had very limited exposure to deafness in my life. Uh, one way is when 10 men tend to get um, hard of hearing as they age. And so my dad, his brothers, people in generations before, they just a lot of hard of hearing as you get into the over, older decades. Um, that's one exposure. Uh, at Bible college, we had this event called the formal. It was for upperclassmen um, and you, it was a dress-up event, special dinner, and the guys were to go and ask a girl to be their date for the formal. And I can't tell you how big of a deal the formal was because everybody's thinking romance. I mean, this is the college years. It's possible who you go to the formal with, you might just end up marrying and being a lifelong companion with. So it was a lot going on, and my friend and I decided... We're going to use this as opportunity, and we're going to eliminate pressure. So we did something that just turned out absolutely fantastic. We went, we were involved in some ministries in different areas, being part of Bible college. But we asked two African-American deaf ladies who were the ages of our mothers to be our dates for the formal. And they got all gussied up in their Sunday best and we put on our coats and tie, and we went to this nicely decorated dinner, and it was good food, and it, it, was, it was, they had a ball. But we had a really unique experience on this evening, you know, and communication was like a scavenger hunt. Uh, all right, uh, we'd like the salt and the you know, gestures and all that, but it ended up just so much fun. So uh, hard of hearing older Wintons, and a date in college. And one other real exposure to deafness is one of the worst days of my life as a dad when I was probably four or five years ago, more, maybe more than that. I was playing with my two oldest sons. They're in middle school and we're having a great time. But in the middle of having a great time, I wasn't being careful when I should have been careful and because of my actions, my oldest son was slammed up into a board at his head, and he was knocked unconscious, and there's blood coming out of his ears, and we had called an ambulance, and they put him in a big neck brace, and, they, and I'm in there, and I'm begging with the ambulance driver, is he going to live? And, and they got him to the, to the emergency room, and then he spent a long time in intensive care, and and the Lord restored his health, and we were so thankful. But his hearing in that ear is still, the doctors officially call it deaf. He can hear out of it, but it's, he's officially uh, a deaf in that ear. And so we, but as far as effect on us, we just situate him differently at the dinner table so his good ear is facing the majority of people. So I have limited amounts of exposure to deaf people. 
and I wanted to teach this passage. And so I did some more research, and I went to Miracle Ear, a place right across the street from, on San Jose, across from Tree Steakhouse, and I just walked in, and I talked to the doctor there, very pleasant man. I said, tell me about deafness, and we just had a, I told him what I was doing, and we just had a very good conversation, and I go, oh, that helps, oh, that's, that's helpful. And then I read some articles on Google, what it's like to be deaf, and I, and I watched some YouTube videos on what it's like to be deaf, and then still not experiencing, tasting, I decided I was going to spend a day at the office deaf. And so I put earplugs in my ears. I got these over-the-ear um, headphones that play a white noise. And I wrote a sign on my door at the office. I'm um, participating in this activity to learn about deafness. I'm deaf for the day. I'm available via texting or email or gestures. And so just to learn. And so we had a good time throughout that day learning, and I learned a lot. It must have been a big day for that man when he met Jesus. Jesus changed his life. He's changed the deaf man's life. Why would it be such a big day? Would there have been emotions well, in my research, I found this YouTube video that's been watched over 27 million times, and it's this 29-year-old lady who has been deaf all her life, never heard anything, and they put this technology to her, and she hears for the first time, and we get to watch this 90-second video. So I want you to capture, does she have emotions? What emotions, and why would she have emotions? Let's watch this video. It's like so close. There you go. Beeping. So now technically your device is on. Can you tell? Oh, that's exciting. Here, you can put it down for a second. Just get used to the sound. <laughs> what does it sound like? Do you want to press it? Oh, you're a cry. <laughs> <laughs> Can you hear me? And you hear your voice? Does your voice sound pretty loud? Um, no, not really. Well, that's good. <laughs> My <laughs> laughter sounds loud. Yeah, you'll get used to all of that over time. <laughs> the emotions was there something do you imagine our deaf man in the story had some type of similar experience with this but why why emotions i came up with a long list in my research of why people that are deaf if they got their hearing would have emotions and i experienced just a very fraction in my little experiment of being it and i narrowed it down to six there's more six reasons all right when i 
was had my day, I was misunderstood. I'd want to say things and I'd try to gesture and people weren't getting it. And, I was, uh, and then I was lonely uh, throughout my day. I was in my office, the door was wide open, people just walked right by. You know? And one of the staff members later said, you know, it would just be work to communicate with you. And I just thought, I'll wait till tomorrow. You know, and, uh, and so there was just a lot of, I was lonely throughout the day. I felt different. I had these headphones on. Matt Russell walked by my office once or twice with the, his headphones on just to make me feel uh, better, you know. Uh, I was frustrated. I had a lot of thoughts that day, but few were worth the effort to type. And they are gone. And some of them are really good thoughts. <laughs> but I wasn't only deaf, I have a bad memory too. Um, so I was frustrated. I felt like I didn't belong. You know, and, and I, it dawned on me in the middle of the day, if I woke up deaf tomorrow, the, the church would be really nice and kind and generous, but I can't imagine they would keep me as the middle school pastor here. And, and truth be told, don't be offended by this, I probably wouldn't stay here. I'd probably learn sign language and then go to a church that had a signing sermon, you know? And so I felt like I didn't belong. And then missing out, I could watch my dear friends laugh. And I just go, I wonder what they're laughing at. Probably me. But I don't know. I am missing out on a lot of stuff. Is there food in the workroom that they haven't told me about, you know? And so all these and, and there's lots more, but I imagine our deaf man had some of these impacts on his life. My dad has something unique. There was impacts on his life and others. The deaf person would have some of these, maybe all of them, and it would impact others. Now, in the story, Jesus healed the man. What are we going to do with this story? How does it affect us? We're finishing 2017, going to start 2018. How does that affect us? Well, here's how there's a part of the story that's not in the scripture that I imagine was. At some point earlier in the day, don't you imagine the people they brought him to Jesus, went to him and communicated somehow to him, Jesus is coming to town. We want to take you because there's hope that he might touch you and heal you. Don't and then the man probably answered Okay, I, mean, it's, I guess it's possible they tricked him into meeting Jesus, but I can't imagine, you know, they probably somehow communicate to him, and then he was willing to give it a try. Jesus changes lives. Here's my question. If he wanted to change your life this morning, are you willing? Are you willing? I mean, that's just the first start. Obviously, this stuff, man, I'll give it a try. I don't know what this is going to look like, and I might come home. Not hearing again tonight, but maybe I'll give it a try. He was like, he wanted, he had enough of this life that he's like, we'll give it a try. And so where are you at? I hope internally you're saying, Lord, if you want to change my life through this message today, I'll give it a try. That would be a good place to start. Okay, what else are we going to do with this passage? This is not the first person in the book of Mark that needed healing, is it? And I tell you what, some of my favorite times at this church in recent years is when we have had a prayer for people needing healed. We've asked people, if you need healing, to stand, and they've stood, and 
Jesus has said yes to some. He said no to others. We've had beautiful testimonies and emails to us that he did. He, we've had some video accounts of people being healed. It, it, it's just been so sweet. So one of the, but in the story, it doesn't happen like that. The first thing we can do with this passage is physical healing for a friend. Because what happened? They brought the man to Jesus. So what I'd like to do this morning is I would like us to have a time praying for, for healing, but not for you in particular. The people brought him to Jesus. So this morning, in a minute, I'm going to say, if you would like to bring someone to Jesus, a loved one that needs physical healing, I'm going to give you an opportunity to stand, and then we'll pray together. So it's not for the person that needs healing. It's for the person that has a loved one that needs healing. I think it would be really cool if we had people all over the audience saying, I know somebody in particular. All right? And so when we pray, this is what we do. We pray that we believe that Jesus can heal them. In my mind, it's beyond a shadow of a doubt. Jesus can heal. He, he can create universes. He can, he can heal people. He's got that power. It's not a power shortage. Um, and then we ask that he will. Will the children... He's got the, he's the Father's part of the tr tr Trinity. We just come asking. My kids ask me for things. Can I stay up another hour? No. You know? And sometimes, yes. You know? And I have a grand picture of what tomorrow looks like. And so um, God does too. So, but we can ask. He encourages us to ask. And then we trust what he does. No, I'm not going to heal. Or yes, I will. Whatever his answer is, someday I am so confident in our God and his wisdom that we say, hey, explain why you didn't heal this person. He says, all right, this, 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 and this. And our answer would be, wow, that was genius. Every single time. That's a better plan than anything we ever came up with. So we trust him that he knows the best path, path that there is. Sometimes no is the best path. My kid, my youngest, asking for staying up an extra hour. He knows in his mind that staying up an extra hour is the best path. But is it? Not always, <laughs> you know? So, and then we're going to praise him no matter what. Believe that he can. Ask that he will. Trust what he does. Praise him no matter what. So, anybody here this morning say, I have a friend, a loved one. We're close. It would thrill me. If the Lord would heal them and you would, in love, stand for that person. And then we pray. If so, stand up right now. Oh, that's cool. Very nice. That's love. Before I pray, what I'd like you to do in unison is say the name of the person. Okay? So on three. One, two, three. All right, let's pray. Lord, you heard those names and you heard each one and you care about those people that need healing. And Lord, we, we believe that you have that power. And we, like children, are asking not to stay up later tonight, but we're asking that you might Heal this person. Touch their bodies. 
We trust you, Jesus, whatever your answer is. We trust you. We know it's a genius idea. It's good. But we're asking. We want to be clear. We are asking that you would heal this person that we love. And Lord, we'll give you praise no matter what. In your name, amen. Blessings on you. Have a seat. It's very cool, very loving, very, what's the word, noble of you to courageously stand for a friend. If the Lord heals your friend, certainly believe he can, and he might. Would you let us know? That would be really cool. We'd celebrate with you. Now, it's also possible in this room that somebody's in here going, hey, Bill, I need healing, and I'm not sure anybody prayed for me. How come you didn't let me stand? Well, physical healing for yourself. What are we going to do? Well, in our passage, what happens? They brought the man to Jesus, but what did Jesus do? He took him away alone. Jesus and the man alone spent some cool time together, and then Jesus healed him. So if you're in that boat, and you're saying, I need physical healing, I would, at least I want to ask for physical healing. Instead of having you stand in front of everybody, what today the action plan is when you leave here, that you go to our prayer area. We have some elders and wives, elders' wives and Christian leaders that are there, and they love Jesus. And I'd like you, as an application of this story, to go to that prayer time. And if you don't know where the prayer area is, just go to one of the booths and ask them, the information booths. They'll be glad to escort you there. But man, please don't miss out on this. And go there and say, I need I would like to ask for physical healing and let them and, and talk as little or as much as you want and then let them pray for you, okay? So alone time is what happens in this story. So physical healing for a friend, physical healing for yourself, okay? So clear, after the service, if you want, please go to the prayer area. And then spiritual healing of your ears. We had, we've talked about the physical, but... A lot of us need spiritual healing for our ears. The ironic part of this whole story, in my mind, when it jumped out at me, what did Jesus do for the man? He gave him his hearing. And what is the first thing he did? He didn't listen. <laughs> he didn't. Hey, here's your hearing. Now, don't tell anybody. And he didn't listen. Some of us need our, we can hear sounds pretty good, but we aren't listening in life. We need new ears. We need spiritual ears. So let me talk about that for a second. I put some thought into this. New ears would mean careful, loving, and discerning listening. Careful, loving, and discerning listening. And I put this in two categories. Careful and loving is my role. When I listen, I need to be careful and I need to be loving. Discerning, that's God's role. I need God. I have people in my life that I want to be like when I grow up. 
and I go to my, when I'm really messed up, and I say, hey, this is going on in this part of my life, and this is going on in this part of my life, and this is going on, and everything stinks, and this and this, and all of a sudden, they say, stop for a minute. And they say, how's this area of your life? <laughs> you know, how did you know? That's, you know? That's really why you walked in, isn't it? Yes, and what happened? God was speaking to them, and they had a discerning listening to them. And we want that. So let me go through six quick areas where we might need new ears. The first category is uh, the unbeliever. If you're here checking out Christ, you're in a good place. This place loves Jesus Christ. And if you're checking him out, that, I applaud that. But you might say, I'm still not convinced. I'm still not crossing over. Well, I would say to you that Jesus is calling you to come be part of his family, and you don't need deaf ears. You ought to pray, Lord, open my ears. And I, and I think you can hear the Lord calling you. And you ought to respond to him. What a way to finish 2017. What a way to begin 2018. Becoming a believer. New ears. Talk about the emotions. Wow. Okay. Second category is for the believer that, hey, if we went back in time to 2016, this time of year, and said, hey, where were you in your faith? You would say, it's exact mirror of where I am today. Nothing grew in me spiritually. Then you need new ears. Maybe you're thinking, you know, when I open the scriptures, they're just a series of words and paragraphs and sentences. They don't mean anything to me. You need new ears. You need spiritual ears. Maybe when you pray, you're like, God, I really need help. On, I, I got this test coming up, and, and, and would you help? I, I, got, I don't think this is going past the ceiling. And that's how you feel. And you need new ears. You're deaf. Maybe as you think of your spiritual life, you're like, I am totally misunderstood in what I think and believe. I am lonely in my spiritual life. I feel different. There's people, you know, that they're in their family groups, and wow, they're different than me, and I'm frustrated. I've been this way too long, or I don't know if I belong. Or I'm, I, It seems like some people love their faith, but I'm missing out. That's not me. And you need new ears. That's the second category. First was the unsaved. Second is the saved but stagnant. Next one, ready? Dads. I mean, husbands. Husbands. Have you heard your wife recently? I saw on Facebook twice this week. You know, the wife says, yeah, I don't think you're listening to me again. And the husband thinks, that is a weird series of words to begin a conversation. <laughs> yeah. <sighs> Husbands, I, I, I heard a study uh, about a study from Elizabeth Brooks this week about, in, it's a secular study, but on marriages that have lasted a long time. And when somebody makes a statement, one of the spouses, so just imagine Denise says, as we're driving down the road, those are pretty blue flowers over there. There's three ways I can respond. One way is an extended answer. Yeah, I like those flowers too. Or, what do, you know, what do you think the name of those flowers are? Or, why do you like those flowers? Sort of an extended answer. 
And then that's one way to answer. Second way to answer is, uh-huh. Yeah. Flowers. And then the third way to answer is, Nothing. Not answering. And husbands. Uh, the study said that couples that work hard at the staying in the first, they tend to have much longer marriages. That comes under the, the careful. The careful. I'm being careful with it. Love is not rude. And when you give a one-word answer, when somebody responds, that's actually rude. And so a careful, loving, discerning is the... Uh, is what we, the husbands need. Wives, let's switch gears. Same thing for you. Are you listening? Could we tell you what your husband's been saying for the last six months? Could you, could you tell us, rather? He doesn't say anything. Maybe you're deaf to why he doesn't say anything. Maybe he never has a chance. Maybe every time he says something, there's a dig. And you're deaf to that. So maybe you would say, Lord, give me new ears as a wife. Here's some children and youth in here. Children and youth. Are you deaf to your parents? When I grew up, we had a sliding glass door. We'd go out and play. We would open the door, go out and play. My parents bring us back. There's a three-step process. Open the door, go out, and go out shut the sliding glass door. You know, And it was literally, it seems, hundreds of times we got shut the sliding glass door. Hundreds. We were deaf to our parents we just lost some air conditioner and electricity in that. But children and youth, there's a greater, as a youth pastor, I'm telling you, there's a greater price to pay than electricity from not listening to your parents. It's a greater price to pay. And so you ought to listen to your parents. Uh, uh, and parents, let me switch to you. Are you listening to your kids? My number two son, Ian, when he was two years old, he had the best voice. It was a Disney sidekick voice. Hey, Daddy, what are we doing today? And that's how he always talked. And, and I would hold him, and I'd be, he'd be talking to me, but I would talk to Denise also. And he, many times while I'm talking, hey, Daddy. I'm, and all of a sudden, he would stop, and his two hands would grab my cheeks. <laughs> Look at me, Daddy. You know, <laughs> I'm talking to you. And he knew as a two-year-old, I wasn't listening. I was hearing but not listening, and he wasn't having any of that. Parents, is that your story? You hear, but you don't listen to what your kids are. Man, as a youth pastor, I would say, you need to be listening to your kids. Not, I mean, you're the leaders, not following them, but listening. We make better decisions with better data, and we get data from listening. So... I've given you six categories, could have made a lot more. Are you, in your marriage, in your parenting, or as a kid, do you feel misunderstood, lonely, different, frustrated, not belonging, missing out? And you're like, I, have, I need new ears, like in our story. Your life can change, and you can have the emotions that we saw pictured in the video, but things can be so much better with new ears. So, in our story, Jesus told the man after he was healed, hey, you can say all these words, just not this one sing series of words about telling others. And the man failed on that. But he wasn't prevented from speaking. And so I want to finally say, I want you to speak. 
If you're one of those categories, hey, I'm not saved, but I'm going to get saved. I'm going to today. I'd like you not only ask for the ears that you can and that you do, but that you t- speak it to someone that you should. A spouse, a, tr- a church leader. If you want to grow in your faith and not be deaf to the scriptures, would you tell somebody that cares about where you are in your faith? Husbands, would you, you need new ears. Would you tell your wife and maybe tell somebody that you look up to for their marriage that's a friend? Announce it. Wives, same thing. Children, I need to listen to your mom and dad. Parents, I want to hear what's going on in your life. So you would speak it. You ask the Lord for new ears, and then you speak it. That's what I'd like you to do with it. Can I pray for you? Let's pray. Lord, there's people in here that want new ears. They're willing to give it a try like the man with the crowd. He's ready to come to Jesus. And Lord, I pray that you will give them new ears. I pray that you will uh, reveal yourself to them, that they will have the courage and go and speak to the right people, and that you might, there might be great change in their lives. Thank you, Lord, for this passage, how it applies to us. In your name, amen. Hey, from me and from my family and from the middle school ministry, I would like to wish each and every one of you a happy new year. Go in peace.